0: The following sermon was delivered by Reverend Natalie Owens Pike in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here's Reverend Natalie Owens Pike. Friends, throughout the season of Advent, as we have all prepared in our homes for our family traditions of the season, We have been visiting the homes of the prophets and the biblical figures who connect us to our Christmas story. We visited the garden of Isaiah, the laundromat of Malachi, we imagined the open doors of the home of Mary, and now we turn to the house of Simeon, which in this story, in fact, is in the temple of God. For Simeon is a priestly figure who shares a prophecy over Jesus' life as he beholds the infant baby in his arms. So as we move from Advent now into the season of Christmas tide, we tune our hearts and our minds to a story of Jesus as a newborn while Simeon sings forth a vision of Jesus Christ on earth with us. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for what Scripture might have to say to us today through the song of an elder and the cries of a newborn babe? God of all our ages, God who beholds us as a newborn and walks with us through to our elder wisdom, be with us this day wherever we are on our paths with you. Guide us with your Holy Spirit as you did for your messenger, Simeon. Point us towards the power you share with the vulnerable. Stir in us reminders of the promises you have made over each child so that we may see all with the eyes of the prophet and speak to all in the language of love, your son Jesus taught us. Amen. Our scripture passage today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well folks, we are no longer in the manger this morning. We have moved past our pageantry and the heralding of angels. We are beyond the birth pangs of Mary's journey. We have seen the baby delivered. We have sung, come, O come, Emmanuel, and O night divine. We no longer light our advent candles in anticipation, but the lights still adorn our tree. And there is still a good word for us today in our scripture, for we are in Christmastide, my friends. And I invite you today to wonder alongside the prophets and the parents of Jesus. Now that Emmanuel, God with us, is here on earth, what shall we do now? Our scripture tells us that Simeon holds the newborn Jesus in his arms and declares him the Messiah in the temple of the Lord, the child Jesus, this passage calls him, a newborn baby in swaddling clothes, needing to be held and fed and soothed to sleep. We learn just before the text we read today that Jesus in this story is just eight days old. You can see on the cover of our bulletin today, Jesus held in loving hands. Such a tender time for new parents, especially those who have been tasked with the birthing and the raising of the one who will fulfill God's love and faithfulness on earth, the one who will live and die and live again in the name of our salvation. But for now, he is just eight days old and his parents have come to the temple as faithful Jewish parents would after the birth of their child. Mary and Joseph come to the temple to offer a sacrifice after Mary has given birth, a practice which is rooted in the laws revealed to Moses and set down in Exodus and also in Leviticus. Why, you may be wondering, do all of these layers of connection to the Hebrew Bible appear in our gospel text this morning? And out of the very few stories that we have of Jesus in childhood and infancy, why do we glimpse this particular moment? And what exactly does Simeon's voice add to the chorus of those who proclaim the Messiah has come? Well, you ask very good questions. Thank you. (laughs) So glad you asked them. So we'll turn to this passage which names Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecies made for the people of Israel, as Simeon speaks in the house of the Lord to the Jewish community into which Jesus is born. And those few stories that we have of Jesus in infancy, they focus on establishing his purpose and power, not just any newborn, but known immediately as the Messiah. For Jesus will upend so thoroughly the conventions of his community and the power dynamics of our world that the gospels surround Jesus with prophetic witnesses. The shepherds in the fields, the women of his family, the priests in his community's temple, moved by the Spirit all. I like to think this is because God knows that we humans take a lot of convincing. We need to be told from multiple perspectives, whether they're earthly or heavenly or priestly, to really understand that Jesus will be a light for revelation. And Simon's role in the temple connects Jesus to the prophecies of Israel, but his voice extends God's promises to include a wider community too. This Savior, this Messiah, comes not just for the people of Israel, but for all who seek him. Those promised reversals of power are happening now, not in some faraway future, within the long lifetime of Simeon, showing us God's presence with us in all the seasons of our lives. Our text calls Simeon righteous and devout, and we're told he's looking forward to the consolation of Israel with the Holy Spirit resting on him. And when Simeon takes the child Jesus into his arms, he is moved to witness. In verses which echo the form of hymns in the Hebrew Bible, Simeon is moved to sing. Just as Mary sings of how Jesus will upend our expectations of hierarchy when the lowly will be lifted and the hungry will be fed in her song, The Magnificat, Simeon, too, shares his vision of Jesus on earth, a light for revelation, peace for all. And Simeon's song, which we heard today sung for us so beautifully, becomes a cornerstone of some communion liturgies. It has been sung in some form since the fourth century, this song passed down through generations, the voice of Simeon adding to the hallelujah chorus into which Jesus is born. He declares peace has finally come to his long life. He can rest now in the knowledge that the Messiah is here waiting so long for this presence on earth, held now in his arms as a baby. And though Simeon feels this peace as he nears the end of his life of faithfulness, I can imagine what Mary and Joseph might have been feeling in this temple moment. Watching Simeon with the tired eyes of the sleepless nights of newborn parents, they might be thinking, Yes, yes, the peace, the Messiah, yes, we've been told, but, but what now? What do we do now, these parents might have wondered. Have you ever wondered, what shall I do now? Mary and Joseph have come to the temple. Perhaps not just to fulfill their religious duty, but because it serves as a hub, a place of community, a foundation for when our lives are turned upside down. Perhaps these young, first-time parents seek more than just the ritual. Seek community. Seek support. Seek restoration, as any of us do when we come here to join in the song. For what care do newborn parents, what care do each of us need when we are in the midst of a disruption in our lives, be it new life or new diagnosis, or fear for our world so full of violence? We have heard the word proclaimed and sung, but what now? You may be asking on this very day in our very own temple? How do we learn to answer this question, the what nows that arrive in our lives in times of triumph and of trial? My husband, Alex, and I are lucky enough to have two incredible goddaughters who are now seven and almost four, which is very hard to believe. And the first was born in the midst of a very snowy Minnesota winter in between a series of snowstorms, the kind of snow where the plows are working all through the night to push aside inches of snow to make the roads passable again by the morning. This is the kind of snow that falls so thick that when you're plowing your sidewalk, by the time you get to one end, it's already covered up at the top. In this particular snowstorm, as the snow was falling on the house of our friends who were newborn parents to our goddaughter, sweet Isla, the snow was also covering every car in the neighborhood. And one of their neighbor friends had gone out of town for the holidays thinking surely there would be no snowstorm capable of covering an entire Subaru, a stick shift car that would leave her Prius driving neighbors to dig it out to avoid those coming snowplows. These neighbors who were in that cocoon of the first days of parenthood. But the snow kept coming and that Subaru kept getting more and more buried under fresh powder and these parents knew they needed some help. Holding their sweet baby just a few days into this world, they called me and my husband Alex. Alex has always driven a stick shift car and they knew we were night owls and the kind of Minnesota and Montana raised folks who were not afraid of digging out a car from the snow. So in the cold of the Minneapolis winter, we drove over slowly to help dig out that Subaru from the path of the coming plows. And I went inside to help new mom Ellie with sweet baby Isla. These new parents were exhausted and totally in love with this magical being that had upended their lives We looked at her sweet, squishy face and her impossibly tiny fingernails, and we took her into our arms like Simeon and saw the world in her eyes. We sang a song of praise as he did, whispering in the curve of her ear, we're so glad you're here. And it was that snowy evening that broke some seal around not being a burden or a bother to these newborn parents. It cast off our worry that we didn't know how to be helpful or have anything to add. It gave us an answer to that what now, what next question of how we care for new life in our midst. And then we started feeling like it was easy for us to show up to help, maybe bringing the ingredients for a meal to cook or taking turns holding Isla while one cooked and napped or washed the dishes. And it was in this threshold time when these newborn parents had barely left the house that Alex and I, we got to see what being godparents felt like, what bringing a child into the world really asks of us all to see a way that we could be an answer to the ones in our midst wondering, well, what do we do now? That what now, we might hear Mary and Joseph asking as they take Jesus back from Simeon's arms, that what now that happens in the grieving of a brother or a friend? The what now after you move to a new city and try hard to build community. The what now that appears when it seems our world convulses in new violence each day. When it seems there is more hurt than we could ever wrap our arms around. It is into these questions that I invite you to look around to those closest to you to show up in each other's lives in simple, present ways, whether you're walking a dog or cooking a meal or simply just saying, I'm here. I don't know where this is going, but I see what you're holding, and I want to listen with you for the promises of this newborn child that God has come on earth to be with us through all the questions and in all the seasons of our lives. And that it is up to us to give those promises flesh, to sing back to each other the peace in the song of Simeon, the hope of the song of Mary, that the kind of love Christ brought into our world is not just for some, not just for those who are perfect, not just those who had been promised it for generations, but to all those who seek it, for the young and the old, for those at the margins and at the center, for those who are comfortable and for the afflicted, for those who are at peace and those who long for peace to come. Friends, this is the task at the threshold of our new year. To say to each other, even when your cries are not in my language, even when your experience is not my experience, even when your questions are not the same as mine, let us answer them in our caring for each other. Let us be the answer to what now? in song and presence and deed. Friends, may you go forth singing joy to the world, trusting that when the question is what now, we are met by God and each other in the answer and may the Lord bless and keep you, may the Lord be gracious and kind to you, and may the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace, amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit FAPC.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.